Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today is February Thursday. February. February Thursday. <laughs> That's Woo! actually really hard. February Thursday. But no, February the 13th on a Thursday. Let's do that one instead. It is currently 10.10 a.m. If it would have been p.m., I would have been sleeping. 10.10. Or, actually, I might have been Disneyland. 10.10 a.m. And this is uh, from Bob's office. I'm Jake Mathis. And I am embarrassed. Um <laughs> In case our guest had any thoughts that this was actually a professional show. <laughs> that just went out the window right now. What um, happens? <laughs> the next voice you hear belongs to another individual who graciously volunteers his time with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He's a two-time Olympian, California real estate agent, and outdoor enthusiast. And I totally stole that off of his Instagram bio because it sounded <laughs> really good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Gideon Massey. Hey, guys. <laughs> Well, since we got off to such a fantastic start so far. We did. How's your week been, Jake? Uh, my week has been okay. I've been sick most of it. If you can tell by my voice, I'm kind of raspy. Um, but yeah, I'm getting over a head cold, I believe it was. Because I, I, it was all in my head. Like, nothing else hurt. But my head hurt. And my, my nose was running for, like, a half marathon. <laughs> um, this past week, uh, one cool thing that I did was I got Disney Pass. And so tonight I'm going to go build a lightsaber, and I'm very excited. He is very excited. Yep. I'm very excited for this. He's got the t-shirt on to prove it. Yeah. yeah. I won't wear this one. I'll probably wear my Baby Yoda shirt today or Ooh. tonight. <laughs> so you know Alan Tire? Have you seen their new sign? No. So there's, there's a tire breaks place up by our house called Alan Tire, and on their sign mm-hmm. they always do, like, funny jokes. Oh, yeah. And so a couple weeks ago they put... We had a funny sign, but we had a funny sign, but the Astros stole it, <laughs> and and it's it's always something clever, <laughs> and so now it says, dang it, I forgot the end of it. No, this is a terrible story. Uh, it it's a Baby Yoda joke, oh. and it says it says Baby Yoda, love of my life, or something like that. Like Baby Yoda, like you the love, lo- like. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to reread it twice. I was like, Baby Yoda of my life. Oh, baby Yuda, like Yoda, Yuda, love of mother. That's so that's, funny. That's very, uh, but I am all aboard the baby Yoda hype forever. Baby Yoda is the most adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, even though he's not Yoda, he, she is not Yoda. We don't know what it is actually yet. So did you, so you are, you're going to make your lightsaber. Yep. Made my appointment for 645. Are you also going on the experience, the like new... No, because it's very hard to get yeah. onto. And so the trick to get onto it is to be there at like 8 a.m. And I think I'm doing that like the 22nd or something like that. I think I'm going again with my friend Sean. I think that's what we're doing it. He's been on it. He says it's great. Tori's been on it. She said it was great. Cody loved it. Oh, I didn't know. He already got on. Yeah. That's cool. They went on Sunday? Monday? I don't know. Because mm. he got his past Saturday too. I saw that. And I was like... Let's just go together sometime and just eat all the food because there's so many good foods that are there right now. Like tonight, I'm going to go try and find this little thing that sells these little uh, – they're like chocolate breads with like powdered sugar on them. They're, they're something French. I don't know the names. But they look <laughs> delicious. And then there's this – um, in California Adventure, there's this spiked root beer that's like getting like really good reviews. I'm like, I want to try that because California Adventure, they could sell alcohol. But Disneyland, they only sell alcohol in one place. I've still never been to California. <laughs> You're not missing too much. Actually, oh. the, as a, I, there are two really good rides there, and then there's other ones that are decent, but 
two really good ones. And then when, but when the Avengers Land opens up, it's gonna be pretty hype. Avengers Land. Uh, Avengers. Avengers Land. Yep, they yeah. took over Bugs Life, which is a way better step because Bugs Life is. I don't mediocre. think I've ever been in Bugs Life. You're fine. <laughs> it's mediocre at best. I forgot to add. So your headphones. I did not do this very well. So I'm going to turn it up and you can just say when it. Oh yeah, no, that's it. great. Okay. <laughs> I looked at it. I was like, oh, that's really low. That's probably making no I'm difference just, for Gideon whatsoever. <laughs> that's really funny. I actually I, I it's hard to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Whoops. So yeah, that was my week. Uh, well, and then last night was really fun too. It if was. You, do you want? You could talk about that one. I have other stuff to talk about. Okay, well, that, last night we had a um, friend of the show and friend of all of us, Jacob Nielsen, come to our youth group, and he came and spoke to our kids, and it was a lot of fun. And then he went bowling with us after, and that was still very fun and very laughing, laughable, except for the way he dips his corn dogs disturbed me, but other than that, it's fine. There was a method besides just them being Did you being not see him like hold it like this down and go <laughs> like, like this like all the time? Dude. Yes, I was like, dude, you need to stop that. Like that is distracting me too much. How you're doing this? Like, just like heaven forbid your bowling game get worse. Just like this, like, and I'm like, hello, like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's to get the dog and the corn. I'm like, you could probably just do that if you just like swirl like that. But okay, I I have issues with some people and sometimes. People's actions get me. <laughs> I'm just like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> but we are very grateful for Jacob having come last night. We and are sharing part of his testimony and leading our kids through James and how we talk to people and encourage people, and it was really cool. So shout out to Jacob for doing that. <clears throat> I had a crazy busy weekend. Um, I played beach frisbee on Saturday morning for three hours, and then I played street hockey for three hours. And on Saturday, and in between, Jake, Jacob, and I hung out at Jacob's new apartment, and it's a pretty cool place. And then we went down to Supermax and got a burrito, and that was great. I got enchiladas. <clears throat> I love enchiladas, but I need to eat like seven. Yeah. So it, when I me, go like out, when I go out to places, they only come in like two or three, and yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm still hungry. Enchiladas are like small burritos, kind of. They're too small. Burrito was fantastic. It was big. I had a good combo and it it filled me nicely. You didn't even eat all the beans and rice. That was sad. Because I ran out of chips. I didn't want to ask for more chips. We had more chips. No, not by the time I was done, done. Believe me, I was coughing down chips. Um, So, I don't know if we've talked about us playing, me playing hockey in here, but our street hockey game is super fun. It's one of my favorite things that we do because my friends and I, like, there's a couple of us that really enjoy hockey. So, I mean, one of them, Nick, has season tickets to the Ducks, and so we've been going to games for 10-plus years. Um, but he just decided, like, I, wanna, I want us to, like, play street hockey and shoes. And so he bought a net and some, like, basic sticks, uh-huh. and we just got a group of people to start going out and playing. And we were consistently, for, like, several months, we were playing at least once a month. Uh-huh. And it's a ton of fun. It is a mad workout. you got to <laughs> run up and down the... Every single time, it's like worse than basketball. Um, and so, the coolest thing about it is, it brings together the randomest group of people I have ever hung out with. Because like, there's us that know each other from frisbee, and then like, I'll bring some of my students, and they'll come sometimes, and they have other friends that they met, and one of the guys that comes, he runs 
they have like a dodgeball game that they play every Friday night at the park. Okay. So like he comes and he brings some of his dodgeball people, and then other people will show up and they'll bring their friends. And this past Saturday we were it was like nine o'clock, and we were like rotating and stuff. So I was sitting out for a minute, and then these two high schoolers walk up, people I've never seen before in my life, and this kid comes up and he's like, "How often are you guys out here?" And, or he was like, how long are you going to be doing this or something like that? So, <clears throat> I mean, they were both skaters, so they were coming over, and I was like, I wonder if they're just, like, trying to <laughs> kick us off so they can skate on this because people do that. And I was like, are you asking because you're trying to play? And he's like, oh, yeah, I love hockey. I was like, oh, sick. So the two of them ended up playing the rest of the night, and, like, now they want to come out and play more of this. So, and it turns out they know a lot of kids that I know because they go to the skate park and Skate with a lot of kids that I know. So I just, I love our game because it's a ton of fun. It's a great workout. We make fun of each other all the time. And it's fantastic. And people get hit with the ball pretty hard. And that's pretty funny. So it's on a, it's um, on a park. It's on a, a yeah. Park. So like, you know how they'll, there'll be like a basketball court yeah. inside a fence. Yeah, and then yeah. there's usually like an, an extra just plain whatever. Yeah. We play on that. Normally like a tennis. It's, thing, it's not an actual street. No. <laughs> it's, it's contained. It's so really it's concrete square hockey. But <laughs> Pretty much. Rectangle. But it's a ton of fun. So we have that Saturday night. And then Sunday, I, we watched, I went over to Knicks and we watched the first weekend of the XFL games. And that was super entertaining. <laughs> I love it. The XFL. It's great. And we're... We're going, so we have, there's an LA team. Yeah. And we're going to the first home game this Sunday. Oh, exciting. Yeah. It's. I need to pay you still. I remember that. <laughs> and they, LA lost their first game by 20 and already fired their defensive coordinator. <laughs> they were leading a <laughs> So <one point>. close. <laughs> like you. What I found this out. This is though, rough. What I found out though is that their star quarterback isn't playing. Um, yeah. Landry Jones. Twist his ankle. No, no. Not Landry, Landry Jones is on. Landry Jones is on. Uh, Houston. Yeah. But. Yeah, their their star guy is gone too. So um, I was like, oh, maybe that's why they're not football doing Football people too well. get hurt. So we watched that, and then the Oscars were that night, and we could just go on and on about the Oscars. I'm just gonna say that I'm bummed that <coughs> I'm not bummed that Parasite won. I'm bummed that Parasite and 1917 didn't split director and film because mm-hmm. I feel like when there are two fantastic movies that achieve something really great, usually one of them wins director and one of them wins film, so they can like split that. And then that didn't happen. And, but Parasite apparently was quite an achievement. I didn't see it. I love 1917. I saw it three times. But I haven't seen either. And then I got home two nights ago, and Cody and Katrina were watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And they were already halfway through it. So I was like, all right, whatever. And I was watching TV. And then I came back out like in the middle of the climactic scene. So there's just a ton of noise and craziness going on. I haven't well, seen that either. Well, I'm not going to tell. That's why I was very vague. Um, so anyway, and then I played three hours of basketball that night. So I played a lot of sports this week. Nine hours. I felt really good. Yep. Got to get ready for more ultimate. That's true. So how's your last week been? What have you been up to, Gideon? <laughs> uh, mine's been good. Just busy with work and um, uh, work being real estate and then um, – you know, a typical day for me. I, I do enjoy still working out, um, so I'm in the gym uh, either early morning or or late in the evening after my days before my day begins or after it's ended. So that sort of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, just a just a typical week. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we're gonna get into it because I have a million questions, and hopefully Jake has a couple. 
I can probably think of a few. <laughs> so, you are an Olympic athlete. Yes. What What did you compete in? What do you compete? In? What do you do? Yeah, so I'm retired now, but I was I competed in uh, a discipline called track cycling. Um, it's done on a uh, on an indoor, typically in indoor facility venue that uh, is about 250 meters in uh, in length, so four laps to a kilometer. The turns are banked, um, so imagine a, a NASCAR track but much smaller. Um, and if you, they're banked steep enough that if you ride too slow, that you actually do slide off the, the banking. So. Um, it's uh, yeah, so I did that for a long time. Um, I competed in the sprint disciplines. The longest event was probably about a minute long, um, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a good, great time, um, large part of my life. So, what is? Because I've never done it and never will, because it literally <laughs> scares me. You're there are times when you're like almost horizontal. Like yeah, you're I'd say that's very. Yeah, I mean, the track is designed to go fast. It's yeah. not designed to go slow. So um, when you're at speed, um, if you took a picture just, uh, you know, standing on head on, you would, the, the, you would have the appearance of, of being uh, at, a, at a pretty significant angle. The track is about 45 degrees, 46 degrees. So, yeah, if you can imagine that. So what – I mean, obviously you're used to that. <laughs> But like the first, you know, when you were first coming up and doing this and having that, what does it feel like to be moving at a very high speed horizontally? Yeah, well, I mean, I started when I was 10 or 11 years old, so believe me, I wasn't going that fast. But um, <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, I actually didn't grow up racing on a track that was quite that steep, but, um, so I didn't have to. Uh, the, the, the the fear of sliding off the track wasn't wasn't uh, as uh, as as prevalent, but. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's just something, it, it's like anything new. I mean, as a child, you're just, you're, you're typically, everything's coming at you for the first time. So you don't have an expectation one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, hopefully the first few times nothing terrible happens so that you, you, know, you don't have <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something, those, those memories ingrained in, in your head, uh, you know, for life. But, um, yeah, I did it. I did it as a youngster, and it was just it was in conjunction with everything else I did as um, you know other sports, school, uh, friends, that sort of thing. So, so like every kid grows up riding a bike for the most part. This is true. Yeah. So how did you make the transition from you know just riding a bike to competing to doing <laughs> yeah. this specific type of bike riding? Well, I, I actually started riding bikes late in my childhood. My friends were riding bikes before me, um, but uh, I. I grew up in an area in Pennsylvania where we had a, a very strong uh, youth program, and that uh, was an introduction. My parents looked for avenues to introduce me to cycling and, and get a little bit more involved in it. Um, so my initial introduction to track cycling, to being competitive, was uh, on a velodrome through a youth program um, a couple days a week after school. And that so, and you said you were playing other sports too. Mm. What was what was that like at the time? First sport I took up was golf. Uh, that was something my parents got me into. Um, and then uh, following that, I played baseball and I played uh, played a little bit of basketball as the last sport that I that I took up. So then, what from from those things? Like, what drew you to just go all in on cycling? Yes. Yeah, so I think the um, ultimately it was the Olympics and an aspiration to. Um, 
take a sport and see how far I could go with it. And um, it was a decision that was made um, in my in my teenage years um, that I had a discussion with my parents about, and we decided that I just had a lot on my plate and had to make some decisions as far as what I wanted to pursue and where I wanted to take things. And um, we uh, yeah, we determined cycling was a was a good avenue, baseball, basketball, great opportunities, but um, you know, there's no guarantees, and uh, I don't know. Cycling, my dad rode bikes a little bit, but he also played baseball too. So um, it was it was just something where we decided that um, it was uh, it was a worthy avenue to pursue and see what we could do with it. So, like as a teenager, training, competing, like you had the thought of like I can make the Olympics. Later on, uh, not initially. I was okay. I was kind of a. I mean, the Olympics is a big. It's a very broad. Um, subject area i think so yeah. to understand what they are and how to get there and the work that entails and that sort of thing i, I don't think i had deep uh understanding of that at that point but um, i did know that it was the pinnacle of sport um in what i uh, my my chosen um sport was at that time you know for baseball or basketball or whatever it's a professional league and that sort of thing and, yeah. and there's there's you know uh, it's it's obviously difficult to make those as well, and the Olympics are no different. But um, uh, yeah, I, I think that was that's just what we we I think when we sat down and, and talked about it, it was like, well, you have, probably have a better chance of making making the Olympics and taking that further than trying to pursue baseball or basketball. I, whether or not that's true, I don't know. But so what? Like that sounds like you had the mindset early on to like whatever I choose, I want to reach the pinnacle of whatever that is? I think that it was something that began to grow in me as I understood sport and as I understood um, how, how to approach it. Um, I'd like to say that had I pursued other sports as long as I did cycling, that I would also have reached that same level and, and had the same mentality towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, initially there, there was something there that, um, where I set small goals for myself and I set, you know, little benchmarks and tried to um, just be uh, a little bit better and challenge myself in those things. So I think that was early, definitely a, a mindset that I had early on. That I love that because, you know, I grew up playing every sport and enjoying it, but at no point was I ever like, I'm going to be the best at this. Like it was just, I just knew, I mean, obviously that's what separates the best in the world from us people, but... Like, I just love that you're like, nah, I'm making this happen, learning how to do it and, and going. Yeah, you know, I think the it's I think it's a bit of a misconception in terms of um, how athletes at that level get to where they at where they're at. I think that, yes, it requires talent and and and, and you have to be you know, some you have to be good at, at it to a certain degree. But at a certain point, it's more about the mindset that you have, because, um, you know, it's it's not everybody just rolls out of bed and it's like, all right, I'll be, you know, I'm competing in the Olympics now. So yeah. it's yeah. definitely a mindset to it that, um, it, you have to stick, stick with it and, um, really, really be disciplined and decide that it's something that you want to do. So I did very mild research okay. and I perused your Instagram <laughs> and one of your recent posts, if you don't mind, sure. I'm going to read it and then you can elaborate because I yeah. what you said. Um, the comment is, 
or your caption is, in the age of internet, social media, and self-help books, there are very few secrets to success. Everyone's heard about setting goals, striving for excellence, not fearing failure, marginal gains, and the list goes on. But there's one thing that will never change, human nature. You can give someone every version of a recipe and trade secret possible. They still have to make the decision to do it. And not just once, but repeatedly. When it sucks, when it doesn't seem to be working after some self-determined short trial period, when it becomes unpopular, when it's no longer fun. These ideas aren't new. People just forget that there is a commitment component to every great accomplishment. I love that whole, <laughs> like, where, where, what space were you in mentally yeah. when you posted that? Like, where, is that a mindset that you've had, that you um, constructed, that's been imparted on you? Like, where does that come from? Yeah, so I think some of it is, is me just trying to figure out, um, you know, where, Access to information is so easy now, and everybody has an opinion and everybody has a um, a story uh, to go with it. And um, when I was growing up in my sport, um, I was very – I loved quotes. I loved um, personal stories, and I still do. Um, I think I glean, glean a lot from them. Um, and I remember I used to – you know, I would find a great quote. I'd write it down. Actually, on my phone, I have a notes section where I just have – quotes and it's things that uh, resonate with me yeah. um but things we've always talked about for for decades in sport you know like you know again the marginal gains the um uh, hard work the um the 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 taglines that you hear that are just thrown around it's it's i feel like they've to some extent have lost their meaning and um you know people can create books around it they create um you know whatever content around it and it's just it just rolls off your tongue, and it's it's like, yeah, that's great, but how do you take that and implement it into your life and actually make it something that's going to benefit you? And um, you know, so I think it's a little bit of me trying to figure out like, well, how do you differentiate that? Like everybody knows about these things; these are not new. Um, we've talked about them forever um, as athletes um, at, a, at an elite level. It's just something that we do. Um, now people like the mainstream is taking in and, you know, you can apply it to, um, you know, being a better person in whatever aspect, um, you know, fill in the blank in your life. And, um, so, you know, I think my mindset is that that's great. Those are all, um, you know, wonderful things to strive for, but, uh, there's still a discipline component. There's still a, a follow through that's necessary. There's still something that you don't just, um, do it for a week in a trial period and then and then move on to the next greatest thing mm -hmm. and um, you know I think at a, at a stage that there there's you have to um, get through you know do it get through the sucky periods and then um, you know and do it some more and then and then sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't it's there's no there's no yeah. special formula that's necessary that's that works for everybody um, so uh, it's just uh, you have to really cut through the, um, you know, that that, that uh, cinnamon caramel foam that's on the top <laughs> of your, you know, every every drink out there and get down to the um, what's important and why you're doing it. And, um, you know, that maybe it doesn't work out in the end like you envisioned it. So from the outside, cycling specifically seems very individual and monotonous and a lot of yeah. that so how how did you 
I mean, A, is that, how correct is that? Uh-huh. B, how much did your mindset like affect your ability to train and push yourself in yeah. that way? Yeah, cycling is, is definitely an individual sport. And that's something that I, it, it uh, something that drew me to the sport is that, um, in my mind, it was like, okay, if I was ex- successful, um, that was on me. And yeah. if I was, if I came up short, then that was also on me. Yeah. Um, I kind of held the, held the cards in that regard. So, um, we train as a team, but we compete as individuals for the most part, albeit I did, um, you know, in the Olympics, I competed on a, on a team event as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I, it's such a different dynamic between a team sport and an individual sport and how you train and, and the, the ownership that you have in, um, getting the work done and whether you win or lose, um, and there's a lot that goes with that. So I, I think, yeah, initially I, it did draw me in because of that aspect. I was in, com- or so I thought, in complete control of, you know, of an outcome. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, and I like that. So in the times when you were competing as a team, because, like, it's a team in the way that, was it a relay type situation or would multiple multiple view? I don't I don't remember how that's okay. team works <laughs> cycling wise. Like yeah. what does that look like? Because you could be on a swim team, mm-hmm. right? And you can be in relays, but yeah. only one person is in the pool at the time. Yeah. So is it like that, or is it are all of you on at once? What does that look? Yeah, like? Yeah, that's a good question. My my event for the sprint uh, disciplines was uh, literally about you know forty five seconds, we'll say, yeah, um, give or take. And it's a three-person event. Everybody rides at the same time. One person is responsible for one leg of the race. So we begin from a uh, from from a standstill, um, and then we uh, first person does one entire lap. It takes them about 17 seconds, and then yeah. the next person um, who is following that person goes, and then the third person, the time stops on them. So third person rides the longest distance. Um, first person rides the shortest distance. So that's our team event, um, essentially. Um, so in, in essence, it is a relay, but we're all uh, running the race together. Do they like peel off as they yeah. finish? Yeah, they yeah, they peel off the track. Um, so who would you have like your fastest one? Would they go first or they go last? They would go. It's it's a little bit of a there's an art to it. Um, the first person you want somebody that can get get out of the gate, so to speak, uh-huh. um, uh, literally and figur- figuratively, yeah. um, as quickly as possible, get the team up to speed and then get out of the way. Um, they're going to have a, a ceiling at which, you know, how fast they can go. And some of that is determined by the gearing that they use on their bikes. Um, and then the other riders have the benefit of chasing somebody plus the draft. Um, so once they're out of the way, then the, the speed actually notches up again and they go faster. And the third guy is just kind of hanging on and trying to keep whatever speed he has. So the first person, um, I mean, they're just insanely um, just just out of the gate you know, like, like you wouldn't believe just, um, launched out of the gate and then the next people are just kind of hanging on until they can get up to speed and continue that. So second person peak speeds probably come at the second person. Third person is, um, there's not much more of an acceleration. They're kind of taking whatever speed they were given and trying to maintain that. Yeah. So what percentage of your competition history was in a team setting like that in the team events versus individually? Uh, I'd say, I don't know, 30, 40%. I, I, a lot of the stuff we, we would do, that was an aspect. And then the other aspect, like we would have other events that were individual disciplines. So the goal 
some some riders they only focus on a team event um, on a certain position, and that's kind of what they do. And other riders are interchanging; they're in and out of the team event, focusing on individual events. Um, it depends on the size of the team and what the goals are for the team at that point. It just seems in a sport that is so you're training individually, most of it is focused on you as an individual, yeah. to then be placed in a situation where all of a sudden you're part of a team. Yeah. You could easily get pretty frustrated if your yeah. team members, if if you feel like they haven't prepared enough yeah. or if they do something that kind of lets you down, you're yeah. like, ah, as an individual, I put all this time and energy yeah. into making sure I'm right. Yeah. It would be frustrating for a teammate to not be on that level in yeah. a different way than like basketball or football where everyone is training together, everyone is held accountable mm-hmm. all the time to mm-hmm. each other. Like that is constant. Mm-hmm. Like in yeah. cycling, like yeah. How were there times? Obviously, you're not gonna like you know, specifics, but were there times <laughs> when you were like, this person like should have been at a higher level. This like yeah. I feel like I got weighed down or let down, whatever, because somebody else wasn't ready for it or whatever. Yeah, there's there's definitely an aspect to it um, in that regard. I think that um, you know it, it's when you when you get into a team setting, there's two mindsets. One is either like a, a sense of relief that the onus isn't only on you. Um, so it's almost a more relaxed um, approach because you have a job to do, but then so do the others as well. And then in another sense, um, there's a there's a like you you kind of have to set the bar for what the expectation is. And um, if somebody doesn't follow through or they mess up or whatever, it obviously impacts you um, and the team and the result. And um, uh, that's that can be a difficult thing. I, I know many writers um, that would say they specifically that they would only compete on this event if they knew they were going to get this result huh. and yeah. um you know right wrong indifferent it's it's that mentality because it's not generally you do this and only this i think yeah. there's a lot of carryover a lot of changeover in our sport where athletes go in and out of the team uh, events it's it's rare that you have one person that focuses on just the team event on that position mm-hmm. um so uh, it's it's a you know it's kind of like you, you just take three the three fastest guys and throw them out there and say okay what can we do in some senses not every sense I mean it depends on now it's become more more specific and more uh, um, you know where we're really trying to get the most out of everybody in every aspect in a team event. Um, whereas before it was something where you just, you know, you pick the three guys and try yeah. and go fast. And now there's more of a science behind it and um, art to it and really trying to maximize everybody's position and um, the speeds. Because there, there is, a, um, you know, for us, we were looking at it as opportunities to qualify spots for the Olympics. And it still is one of those ways to um, go about it because um, you can pursue it as a team. You can pursue it as an individual spot. And sometimes there's a little bit, a little bit more of a um, path of least resistance going after the team spot because yeah. through that then you also get individual spots. Yeah. Um, but you know it doesn't always. You put all your eggs in one basket. Sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. So what what was the process of going from the youth program to making the Olympic team? Like what what. What did that look like? I went to the – so in Pennsylvania uh, in high school, I got an invitation to uh, from the national team coach to go out to Colorado um, and live at the training center in Colorado Springs 
um, the Olympic Training Center. And this uh, is around late 90s. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm, yeah. So I'm, yeah, you're, you're dating, dating, uh, dating Sorry. me here, but that's okay. Uh, no, that's well, we're right. Get that's great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's actually right. Yeah. So, um, went out there and, um, was, became a resident athlete. Um, and at that point things started to, uh, you know, fall in place in a sense where that was our, um, you know, the mission became more defined and, um, the, uh, the reality that the Olympics were within reach also became, yeah. um, more of a, more, more, more defined. And, um, so I'd say that was the initial step that brought me to there. So I, in 2000, I was, I was on the, the long team. So we have a, the long team is the last group of athletes that a pool of athletes that can be selected to go to the Olympics and, um, I was a part of that team. I didn't go, but, um, I, I was just, you know, I was in, in, in that pool and, um, really didn't have my eyes set on 2000. I thought, well, I'm too young. I've got, you know, a ways to go. And it didn't really phase me one way or the other. Um, but then, you know, four years after that, that was something where it was really, really trying to um, pursue and bring it together. So in that, so from that stretch then, from 2000 to 2004, are you full-time in Colorado, training full-time, doing that? Because obviously there's, it's not just about the Olympics. There are other competitions going on. There's nationals and whatnot. Yeah, that's right. So there's uh, each year we have national championships, obviously. We have World Cups, World Cup season, World Championships. Those are our, our, our main go-tos. And, um, you know, the Olympics are something where you, you have to begin that qualification period, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a year or two years out. So... Uh, yeah, we were, we were focused on um, those events, Pan Am Games, Pan Am Championships, uh, lots of different racing, lots of different traveling um, throughout that period of time, uh, and then and then you know before you know it, you're up on the Olympics. So what, from just the like life as an individual standpoint, what was it like? Like, had you done much traveling before that? Had you had you been away from family before that like what did what did it look like to go from being at home in pennsylvania to all of a sudden this is your new life yeah my first plane trip was on a was was going from allentown pennsylvania to uh colorado springs and i think i had a if i recall correctly it was a another uh boy that was my age and we traveled together over there um first time on a plane first time (laughs) anything i mean we had traveled my parents and i had We'd driven all over the place. We were in, you know, Iowa. We were in uh, up and down the East Coast for, you know, for racing and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, but they were always with me, and this is the first time where they, I was put on a plane and and sent sent off, and, um, um, you know, my parents were still very present. Um, but uh, even in that separation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was. I mean, I was at that point. I was under 18, and yeah, you know, the coaches were. Um, in constant communication with my parents and vice versa. So, um, but then uh, my first international trip was uh, was as a again under 18 um, going to Cuba, and that was my first international race. Um, so brand new experiences. Um, I, I, I was able to now focus on a sport uh, you know, full time and had pretty much everything at my disposal that I could imagine at, you know, 
later teenage years. Yeah. So what did what did like your education process look like? Did you like what did what did graduating high school look like? Was there taking classes? Like, are you taking classes while training? What is what is that process? Yeah, like? I took uh, I did a lot of classes on the road. I did um, uh, you know a lot of stuff in uh, in in transition and um, you know my last uh, year or two of high school was pretty much done um, remotely. Um, and but I I went to small school. Um, small small uh, private school you know growing up and um they were pretty supportive of and understanding of my uh, pursuit at that point so it was a big deal to go um out to colorado it was a big deal to pursue the olympics um you know you don't have it's not a not a huge school where everybody you know you've got two or three people in a class that mm-hmm. have maybe done that before so um it's kind of unique and i got a lot of support to do that so then, 2004, yeah. you make the Olympics. Yeah. What is that like? What is, yeah. what is that experience? <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, I when we qualified for it, I I think we were in. Um, I want to say we were in. I feel like Russia comes to mind. I don't know if that was the case or not, but we were someplace traveling and, and we we finished our last competition and we're going through the, the results and the, the tallying the, the point systems and and figuring out okay where are we at and then we we basically work it all and say okay we've you know we've qualified we're, we've done we've accomplished what we set out to do um, by the numbers. It's not official yet, but you know we're we're certain that we did and. Um, so then begins the process, the building process towards the games. And then, you know, usually you're, you know, within a couple months out of the games at that point. And, um, and then, you know, reality sets in that like, okay, we've actually done this. And now preparation begins for the games. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. And then, you know, once, I think once you go through team processing, once you get to the point where you collect all your, you know, all your gear and, 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 um, uh, you've seen the other athletes there. Uh, that's when it kind of sets in that this is actually happening. And, um, uh, the, the, um, and then once you're, you know, obviously once you're over there, it's just like, everything's brand new. You're just soaking it all up. And, um, this was Athens, Athens, Greece. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and uh, it's funny because I actually, um, four years Prior, well, yeah, four years prior to that, um, I had done the, I competed in the Junior World Championships um, at the very same venue, oh, wow. um, and here I was back then, you know, four years later competing yeah. at the Olympics, and um, so it was a pretty, pretty unique foreshadowing um, where it all came together. The, the track had changed a little bit, but um, it was, it was really, uh, it was really pretty pretty great and plus you know athens birthplace of the olympics and yeah. so much history that goes and coincides with that and um you know from from the people that i've talked to that have competed in the games uh sydney was a pretty epic uh olympics but athens um athens was another one that was really quite unique um and then uh yeah four years after that too so how much in the in qualifying the first time, 
once it became a reality, how much was there like celebration of it versus like, okay, now we need to, we're in, we got to make this happen. Like where, how, how much time, how much space were you able to give yourself to, to be stoked about this yeah. is the reality that you've earned versus, okay, I'm here. I need to make sure I actually compete well. Yeah. I think for us, uh, I think a certain maturity level, it's like, it's, it's, it's the same thing you've done numerous times, but on a different stage. So that was the mindset. It was the preparation doesn't change. We still go out, still do the same thing that we had been doing to get to that point. Now we just have um, kind of an endpoint in sight where uh, everything is down to the, the the last detail. Not that it wasn't up to that point. So I think a misconception really is is like, well, you know, how does your tra- how does your training change once you know you've you made the Olympic team and it's like, it, it doesn't, you know, it's the same thing. You just, yeah. you, um, you know, you're, you're racing against the same, same, uh, competitors. Uh, you're racing on the same tracks. You're, um, everything is the same as just a different set of circumstances. And I think when we treat it like that, um, then it, it prevents the, 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 um, and, and the, uh, enormous nature of it to to get in the way of you actually performing. So that was the mindset. But um, I, again, I think team processing. I think um, opening ceremonies. I think those were times where we we were able to really just enjoy um, what it meant to make an Olympic team and be a part of Team USA and um, and and celebrate the hard work um, that we uh, and, and the accomplishment that that is making a team. So during during the opening ceremonies, what I mean from the outside it looks really cool, but it also is like, oh, okay, this is taking a while. <laughs> like there's so much going on. Like right, specifically the procession of like yeah. introducing every country and doing all that. Yeah. Were you able in that moment to like appreciate where you were and what you were doing, or was there just so much that it was like hard to process? What what was being a part? of an opening ceremony, having seen them, you know, from afar so often, what was that like? The opening ceremonies are a special thing that not every athlete gets to take part in for a variety of reasons. They could be competing the next day. Yeah. Um, they could have coaches that say... Some people compete. I think it's weird that they compete the <laughs> night before. Oh, yeah. Like, the opening ceremonies are actually the second day. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, and there's, yeah, and there's, you know, in some cases there's qualifications that happen even before the games begin, so those athletes are already underway, and... Um, yeah, it's, so it's, it's different for everybody. We competed in the middle of the, probably the middle of the two and a half weeks or so that the games go on. And, um, so we had some time to, to recover, but that's part of the experience. And I think if you, again, every athlete is a little bit different, but it is a long, uh, afternoon and evening. And, um, it's, uh, you know, some people, it's like, yeah, we'll watch it on TV. We'll stay in our dorm and watch it on TV, and that's good enough for us. We want to, you know, focus on our event, and yeah. I think that's great. Um, you know, other athletes, it's like they actually get something out of being there and being a part of it, where it raises their level. Um, but it is a long, it's a long time. We we go out, um, have a staging area where just Team USA is present. I think um, I forget where we were in Athens, but we were there. Uh, and, and had a private um, uh, address from the president. Um, he came, and the first lady and his his uh, his daughter um, 
was there as well and just addressed us as a team and we got to spend some time and take photos and see everybody and hang out in that environment and then we went off to the next staging area where all the other teams were and I think that was in the um, gymnastics hall so and then we just at that point we're just sitting there waiting for um, the procession to continue and then our country to be called and then we'd walk out and um, and then we hang out in the in the in the middle of uh, the stadium, the main stadium, until um, everything's done, and then we walk home. Um, you know, so it's a long it's a long process. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's so so worth it, and so part of the um, the the um, such an important piece to the to the games that to to miss that would be, uh, I think, really, um, you know, just a, something that you can't get back. Yeah. So having having the competition in the middle, yeah. did you prefer that? I feel like that would be better because I wouldn't want to compete right when I – because there, there is an aspect of, like, I just want to get there and compete and then just relax. Or some people, like, it would be better to be at the end because yeah. you feel like you can get more acclimated. But I feel like I would prefer to be in the middle so I have time on either end to yeah. do that. What what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's great. I mean, as an athlete, I mean, you can appreciate that as well, like everything that – um, there, there's a lot of opportunity to be distracted. There's a lot of opportunity to, um, you know, not, you know, to lose focus. There's, there is such an energy once you're there and a part of it that's just nonstop. And you go to the dining hall, you've got hundreds upon hundreds of athletes that are representing their countries and their sports and they're the best in the world. And you see people that, you know, maybe sometimes that you've seen, um, through, through, uh, in passing or, or you know of them or whatever and you you go talk and a lot of them are just um like you know ordinary folks and it's it's you sit at the lunch table and you carry on and it's it's always a discussion of well what do you do when do you compete yeah. um how does this work how does that work and it's uh um like it's almost like all the barriers are down you're just you're equals on a on a very um you know very large stage and mm-hmm. You go and you'll see people and you say like, how did you know? How did things go yesterday? And it's like, oh, it went great. Or man, I'm you know, I lost this or that. So it's an opportunity to really be, um, you know, create great friendships and um, have a like peer-to-peer conversations that you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so there is a lot of energy that's expent um, up to that point, up to that point in time. Um, and then once you're done. Um, you know, you have the opportunity, like you said, to kind of do some other things and see some other things and, and take take part in other aspects of the games that um, support your teammates, support, you know, other Team USA athletes or other folks that you know. So, yeah, I think it's a perfect, um, you know, given choice, if you could compete at any particular point, I think being in the middle is, is great. Um, I think it's the marathon or one of those disciplines that, competes on the last day they're actually finishing i think as closing ceremonies are taking place and i think that would be terrible yeah <laughs> i mean you 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 miss the everything that goes into the games everything's winding down everybody's done yeah. um people are just being you know distracting so it's it's like um i think that would be a difficult way to um live the olympic experience but um uh you know so i i think it's uh are competing in the middle is is the best we could ask for. Mm-hmm. So you didn't medal, correct? But 
like how so looking back on that <laughs> spoiler alert, I don't know. <laughs> so look so taking that whole experience as a whole, like do you come away from that disappointed or frustrated or encouraged and feeling like you're successful? Like you got to that point where you're expecting the medal? Like what what were the differences between expectation versus result and how it all played out? Meddling, I think, is always the goal. Yeah. Um, when the, you know we sit out, we work that hard, we do all these things. It's it's like you do expect to go out and perform. Um, reality of it is, um, you compete against these people all year long and for many many years, and you kind of know where you stack up against them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nature of the Olympics is that um, you it's a different atmosphere, it's a different stage. Um, you know, sometimes it's you know you mess up and or somebody else makes a mistake and you can leverage that to your advantage and you never know like our sport isn't just a timed event um there there is some of it some of the disciplines are but some of it is is also a head-to-head competition and it only takes one opportunity to 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 flip the the script and have it be have a result be something that you did not expect yeah um, and I love that I love that about sport in general and I love that about the Olympics and um, so I think you prepare yourself to the best of your ability and then you look for you try to exploit opportunities to um, you know do something unexpected and and keep your mind open towards the possibility that um, you don't know the, what the end result is going to be um, but uh, you know, uh, re- reality is is that again, you know how you stack up, um, uh, and, and you have an idea of where you're going to end up at the end of it all. So, um, I the, the the you know being, I'm not disappointed um, in in my results. I I'm uh, I, I finished better in my. Um, I had a better result in my second Olympics than I did my first, so you know, for what that's worth, it's you know, it's trending upwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I I would I would I like to think my mindset is that I, that you know, had I continued, had I um, gotten other opportunities, that um, I could continue to you know get a little bit closer and. Um, a lot of it comes down to preparation. So when the preparation is there and you put yourself in a position to do the best you can, um, that anything can happen um, in in the end. And it only takes one uh, one race, one event, um, and it so happens that you know we use the Olympics as as the example of that uh, to get it right and get it perfect. And um, you never know, like that yeah. that changes everything. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, am I disappointed not to come away with a medal? Like, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. But the reality of it is that um, the, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't lay, you know, I don't rest on this. But people often say, well, it's just amazing that you made an Olympic team, and, and that's true. Um, you know, the statistics on those that, um, you know, try out for an Olympic team or or compete in the sport and then make a team. Um, they're they're it's very very small percent and um so it's 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 great to have had that opportunity it's great to have competed at that level um to experience it um uh you know i i think it would have been amazing to um, walk away with a medal but yeah um i think you look for 
other uh, other other you know silver linings and yeah and both both things can be true. You can have had this amazing <laughs> proud experience yeah. and have you know still feel disappointed or frustrated sure. as a result. Like both things can be present at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, people lose sight of that idea sometimes. Like, yeah. no, you had to have just had a bad experience because you didn't win. It's like, well, no, I actually had a great experience <laughs> and was a little. You know. Yeah, the question. I mean, the the usually the second third question you get from somebody that's when they when they know you've been to the Olympics is, well, did you medal? It's like, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the follow up is to that is like, oh, well, it's still great that you went. So it's like, you know, they feel kind of kind of embarrassed and like, oh, it's, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Like that's that's the. You know, that's that's the mindset that we have, I think, in society. It's like, like, um, and, and also the perception that's painted. You know, people see the Olympics. It's like, um, you know, we they they don't get to see everything else that happens leading yeah. up to it. They see a couple of the stories that um, you know the main mainstream promotes, and they that's where they gain their perception on what the Olympics is. And there's so much more to it than that. Hopefully, I came across this. Like, that's why I asked a lot of Olympic questions first before getting the results. Because, like, I mean, I'm not gonna be like, as an athlete, I understand. But like, like I know that's that's an experience. Yes. That was an, a crazy entire experience to be able to partake in. And yeah. That like the competition aspect, even though it's why you were there, mm-hmm. it ends up being kind of like a smaller part yeah. of the whole. Yeah. And once you've, I, I can tell you that my my mindset after competing in the first one changed and. Um, to, uh, the, after we, like the day we finished competition, it was like, I cannot wait to do this again. Yeah, like I, yeah. everything is like, okay, how do we prepare? How do we do all this to get back here again? And, there, and, but the, you don't finish the games and they, you know, they give you a ticket that says, you know, here's your free pass to get to the next one. You know, it's like, you got to start <laughs> the process over again yeah. and there's no guarantees. A lot happens in four years and. Um, you know, there's injuries, there's, you know, life, life changes, there's new people, new competition that comes. And, um, so that's again, another unique aspect of the, of the games that, um, changes a lot, but, uh, it's, uh, I mean, that's, that's in the essence of it. I, I think there's, the, you know, there's no guarantees, yeah. no guarantees whatsoever. So four years later, Beijing, yeah, going in. Was there was there a difference? You kind of talked about it before. Like yeah. there isn't a difference in how you train once you've gotten there. Like mm-hmm. that's what you've done to get there. Yeah. Coming away from the first one, was there a difference? Was there a new mentality that like I want to do this again, so we need to get effort even more? Like what what did that look like? And was there an expectation of like we know we're this good, we can make it again, so we're expecting to get in this time? Like what what was that like leading up to it? Well, Beijing, I, I came as a. I think it was much more difficult to get there um, to to make the team in Beijing than um, Athens. Um, I, I honestly, I think towards the end of it, it was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to make the team. I don't know if we're going to qualify the spots. I don't know if we're going to um, really get this one together. And again, it came down to the uh, World Championships in England, in Manchester, England. Um, where we had a team event that we were competing in, and um, we had to we had to do a we had to place in a in a certain certain rank to um, to qualify. And um, I mean, there's there's just an immense backstory to that. But uh, I ended up 
uh, we we ended up we ended up doing it, and and it came again. It's months before um, the games, and then it's like okay, like kind of a sigh of, sigh of relief in a sense where we we did what we needed to do and we qualified. But um, it's there's a little bit of a um, um, there's uncertainty in it, um, and you know the, the time. Even though it is a long period of time, the time still goes very quickly. Um, and I, I, you know, sometimes you think it's it's easier because you know the path that you know is necessary to, and, and and what you need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's other variables that come into play that um, make it more challenging. Um, I always I always say that as a new athlete, as a young athlete, everything you do is brand new. Um, and you're just taking information in, um, and then as a as an older athlete, you have to um, kind of work a little bit harder to um, be careful not to get caught up in all of the um, the baggage that came with your experience um, in being an athlete that's been in, in the sport for a long time. So the successes, the failures, the um, oh, I've been here before. I knew. I know what this feels like. It's like, um, you know, it's like going to the doctor and getting a, you know, a, a shot or something because you're, you're tensing up because you know what it's going to feel like. And um, so it's it's how you, um, how you how you um, make the adjustment and and then keep your focus on what's important and and so forth. So. Um, yeah, in some regards, it's it's a little bit easier. In some regards, it's it's more difficult. Um, but again, uh, you know, we you just don't you don't know what the next day has in store. Um, it's just paramount for you to be um, as prepared as possible. Yeah. So besides having better results the second time, we like that. Yeah. Um, what? What were the biggest differences between the two overall experiences? Because, again, you've had that, like, I've been here before, so I know what yeah. to expect. But it's in a completely different place. Yeah. You're probably with a lot of different people. Like, what, as you look back at the two, what was significantly different about being there a second time compared to being there the first time? I think maybe the maturity of, of me as an athlete, um, the understanding what to expect um having gone through that process before um and just i think also being able to enjoy it a little bit more um knowing what's having a little bit of insight into what's around the corner um uh so uh you know it, it just changes i mean i think you know you're Four years is a long time to mature as a person and as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, how you interact—I mean, if how you how you soak up the experience, um, where you feel like, okay, the last time I I did this, this time I'm going to do, you know, this for better or you know, to, to better yourself or or worse. So, um, it's uh, it's just taking from that past experience and and trying to make those little changes to um, be better better acclimated. Um, but, of course, it's a new city. It's a different uh, environment. Um, China was, um, it was, it was summertime. It was very hot. 
the um, very hot, very humid, the the um, um, uh, pollution was an issue. Um, um, just a, a different environment. The food, um, the culture. It's it's very much you know it's very different. Um, so, uh, but that's that's part of being an athlete. You just you know you you figure it out. Your job is to perform and. Um, the other aspects you try and um, as best you can control those but um, uh, yeah and yeah it's um, I mean I no matter how many Olympics you go to I think they're all they're all unique they're all different they're yeah. all um, there's different takeaways and um, but uh, you know different experiences and different um, but it, but it is a, it's a community, it's a family, it's a um, you know thing that doesn't change. The constant is that there's um, athletes um, that have worked very hard to um, achieve something, and um, some of them are just glad to be there, and others are are you know trying to um, uh, defend you know a title that they won mm-hmm. four years earlier. Um, so it's a lot of different dynamics, but I love it. Yeah. So, so you didn't qualify for any more after that, but you didn't stop after 2008. What yeah. did what did the rest of your career look like? Yeah, following I, those Olympics. Yeah, my my goal was to make another team, make my third team in London, and uh, I I felt as though I mean as an athlete I was getting into my um, late 20s, early 30s, and that's kind of in our sport where you mature and are probably at your, um, you know, at, at, at your best. There's some that perform very well at a young age, but when you're, as your body matures, that's a, uh, for us in my discipline, that's kind of the, um, the pinnacle. So I was getting better. I felt like I was performing at a higher level than I had previously. Um and again, I made the long team for uh, for London, but we only qualified one position for um, the events that we were competing in, and we had five guys vying for that one position. So wow. um, we had a um, uh, a couple day trials within our within our team. Um, it's not something that you you would have seen on TV or anything like yeah. that. It was a it was a you know basically just us putting our best leg forward and. Um, at the, you know, when the dust settled, we, uh, we had selected a guy and, um, he's the one that went. So, um, that was, a that was tough. I mean, that was, a to, to spend, you know, for all intents and purposes, eight years plus in the, uh, uh, realm of like, you are, you're an Olympian. The, the goal is to make the Olympics and, um, then, that next Olympic cycle miss out on that. Um, it's a, I think you don't quite recognize how difficult that is, Mm -hmm. um, to reconcile when the expectation is that you want to be there. You're working hard um, to make that happen and then it doesn't happen. Um, and then you, you're, you're just, all of this is taking place without you. Um, and, and understanding what it is to be there and understanding like outside looking in and and that sort of thing. So that was, that was, uh, while it was a, um, 
Well, it was just a period of growth, I think. Um, and, and even up to the months leading up to the games, um, like I, I wanted to be there so badly and um, was doing everything that uh, that I knew to do um, to, to get there. But I also knew in the back of my mind, I was like, man, I don't think this is – um, this is going to be really, really difficult, mm-hmm. um, and that was a—I mean—that was a difficult couple of months, where I, I didn't rule out the possibility of making the team, but I knew like this is going to be harder than any other. Um, but I—I I, I knew it was going to be difficult in Beijing, but we ended up making it. But um, this was just a different set of circumstances, and um, we, um, yeah, you just we. It, didn't uh, I feel like I did everything everything that I could to be best prepared, and there was just you know another person that was uh, a little bit better on that day, and that's the way it goes. So as so you still continued to compete. Yeah. When was the last official competition that you were a part of? I competed for the rest of that season. Um, I think I did a little bit for the year following that. Um, I competed up to national championships. Um, I don't remember the, when that fell, but um, I competed at nationals, and then like two days later, I started a a real job. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, you know. And, and the my intention was to kind of explore what else was out there. I, I didn't. My mindset was not. I'm done with this. I don't want to pursue it any longer. Um, that was not it at all. It was more of a um, you're you're living in uh, with your teammate at their family's house in um, you know in in in, in California, um, basically you know barely making ends meet. Like all your all your resources are going into um uh you know competing and, and oh by the way you're you know entering into your 30s it's like <laughs> is that the lifestyle that you yeah. want to you know continue to to live and um that's the nature of you know it's, it's the nature of of the olympic sport um i think to a large degree it's not always um where people are immensely successful and have big endorsement deals and that sort of thing it's few and far between so uh, i had to make a decision of how do I, what does this look like? How do I pursue this? Do I take some time away and then try and jump back into it? And, um, you know, I, it, it worked out that um, I had an opportunity lined up to, um, you know, just do something that um, would give me a source of income and um, figure out what I wanted to do from there. So um, I didn't, I didn't stop and, 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 you know, completely put it behind me I had um, you know teammates that were like yep this is I knew I was done and sold everything and moved on to the next stage of life and for me I kind of um, had some aspirations to continue doing it to a, to a little to a small degree so um, following that I did take uh, I, I did compete on and off but not to the international level it was just more national level and and um, a little bit of a little bit of local stuff, but um, uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a cut and dry um, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what from an aspect of like this is something that you had now spent 
you know, two decades committing your life to, what, as you transitioned away from that, what was your mentality like of like, this is what my life has been dedicated to day in and day out for this amount of time. As you move away from it, is there like, is there a celebration of that? Like that you can look back and know that you accomplished a lot and you had a great time and was able to do something that not many people get to do. Was there a sense of like loss and kind of grief to be moving on? Where, where were you at as you transitioned away from competing? Well, anytime you spend that much time devoting that much of your life and like, I guess your essence to, um, something at that level, uh, there is going to be a sense of, of, of loss and, um, a sense of, um, what do I do now? How do I, you know, who, who am I at this point? Um, I, I think that's something that every athlete goes through, mm-hmm. um, particularly, um, at that, at that level. Um, so, uh, you know, to a, to a degree, I, I feel like I am trying, I am still, um, sorting through some of those, uh, some of those things, but, um, you know, when you, you stop under your own terms and um, make the the decision to um, to to pursue something else um, versus doing it when you um, you have a you have a career-ending injury or or just life happens and you you don't have another choice. I think that's even more difficult. So mm-hmm. I did it under my own terms and um, I uh, while I would still love to have uh seen that through a little bit further and seen what i could what i could how much further i could have taken it um i I think that it's something that um happened um exactly as it as it should have and um uh you know i i'm i always i always pursued uh what i did to uh, in a in a professional way in a way that um was um i i didn't take any i worked very hard and and i didn't um i gave it the um the um i i i gave i gave it the the attention and um um so for that it that it deserved and um I, I take um, pride in in that. Um, I don't look back and say, I wish I'd worked harder. I wish I had done this or that. Um, you know, so so I can I can look back and, and be um, be okay with um, the time that I spent in the sport and um, you know, kind of that as that the work that was that was put into it. But um, it's 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 always it's challenging. I mean, it's you know, we talk about. Um, you know where your identity is. You talk about where your, um, you know, how you define yourself, and and uh, when you when you spend that much time in something and, and then walk away, then um, you know you have to ask some hard questions and you have to kind of reassess like how what in in what way people um, you know view you and what you do and um, and so forth and who you are and. Um, you know, so that was a definitely a transitional period. The Olympics, um, we talk about frequently about the Olympic um, 
you know, they call it the Olympic hangover where you get done um, those two and a half weeks and then you've gone from having the greatest support system to the um, all of this 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 energy and, and momentum behind you and then all of a sudden you're kind of back and um, back at home and and you don't have that mm-hmm. um, so that's a hard thing um, and um, there's a lot of um, people talking about it more now um, I think in that transitional period and a lot of uh, people trying to look for ways to um, um, support the athletes that um, come out of that but um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a, it's, it's a challenging thing, no matter if you have that next stage of your life set up and saying on this day, I'm going to start doing this and pursuing that. Um, or, you know, for the person that says, well, I'm not quite sure what I want to do. Yeah. So you're still, you're still connected and involved a little bit, right? With yeah. The, what does that look like? Yeah, cycling is a it's a great community. Um, I still try to get on the bike uh, when I can. I still um, do a, a little bit of um, support from whether it be youth programs, whether it be um, just getting people engaged in a in a track and in, in cycling and getting them to try something, experience something new. Um, so I stay plugged in in that that degree um, because I do think it's a fantastic sport um, and. Um, while I don't compete to the same level um, that I did, I I, I love um, I love doing it, and uh, I think I'll always enjoy that, um, and will always be an advocate for the sport, and um, you know just getting getting young people involved, and um, you know if they want to pursue the Olympics, great. If they want to just do it and you know enjoy taking part in it, that's great too. We're going to transition and go in a little different direction now. <laughs> this, I'm going to open this up to your time for your fun questions. And kind of uh, well, mine kind of also go along the same lines as the Olympic kind of generalization. Um, but mine are more of the personal level, not necessarily the competing level. Yeah, I'll let you take a drink real quick. <laughs> outing him. Really. <laughs> um, so... From what I've heard is like for where you guys stay and stuff like that, like the Olympic compound or whatever it is, is it just like a renovated hotel to make it for you guys or like how – like where do you stay when you're – like how is Athens? Like where do you stay and stuff like that kind of thing? Well, during the games we stay in the Olympic Village and typically that's something that's built from scratch and they have housing that um, it, it might be – it might appear as a as a many different apartment buildings like uh-huh. in Beijing or in Athens it was um, – it was like multi-family type of uh, homes where we had, um, you know, just a few teams or a few sports in one building. And Beijing was was literally, um, you know, a dozen or more stories of, um, you know, high-rise um, apartment buildings where I think Team USA had two or three of those buildings, and um, we all stay in the same area. We there's different dining halls that we go to. There's two or three maybe three or three dining halls or so, main dining hall and a couple of smaller ones and everything else. It's a self-contained city. Yeah. And, and was it like high end? Like, did you feel like the beds and stuff <laughs> were like super nice? Like they like hundred percent linen sheets or ever like, did they take care of you? Well, they took care of us. Well, uh, you know, there's, there's always things in, in a, in a, um, you know, a venue like that, that has that much going on and that much infrastructure where some things come up a little bit, um, a little bit short, but um, for the most part, it, it all 
it all worked well. And, and Team USA, we we are um, we have a, a very robust support system, and um, we've got sports medicine staff on site. We've yeah. got um, you know people that have um, will we'll cook for us if we need that. Um, lots of different stuff that um, we're, we're pretty well taken care of. Um. And so, say after your event and stuff, were you allowed to like leave that area? And were you allowed to sightsee and stuff? We did some of that. Um, uh, both both uh, both games, we we had some time to get out and, and sightsee. And um, there's some places off off site that sponsor um, sponsors will pick up an entire building and and basically have a have a location where the athletes that are sponsored by that particular company can go and hang out and. Um, get some product and and spend some time together. Um, so there's venues like that offsite that you can go to. Um, Team USA always has a Team USA house where um, past Olympians and family and so forth can go and um, watch events and 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 have um, you know athletes can meet because it's, it's very difficult to get in the village um, if you're not an athlete. It requires a, the, the credentialing process is quite extensive. So. Um, that's a place where we can go uh, off-site to visit family and then okay. um, you know, do other things if, if we wanted to do that. Um, so and then one more kind of Olympic one, and then I have a few about other cycling things. Yeah. Um, for the Olympic one, who like what athletes have you met that you were just starstruck by pretty much? Like who were you able to meet that you were just like blown away that you're, you had the opportunity to be – in a way, teammates with. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think there was anybody really that I was. I was all struck with. I, I think um, there are some people that you definitely want to meet if possible and uh, interact with um, for for whatever reason. Um, so there were guys that um, I was able to connect with that um, it's like, hey, I'm a you know I'm a big fan of the sport. I'm a big fan of you know what you do and um it's awesome to meet you and i think i think at that level there's a, a certain amount of um uh like where we're on the same we're on the same level to a certain extent mm-hmm. so it's it's very easy to talk to people there for the most part the only i'd say the only difference is maybe you're you know the basketball players and that that's uh they don't typically they don't stay in the village they don't uh necessarily eat in the village um that they're on a a little different um level than us by choice and um so in in that instance it's a bit different but everybody else is um very approachable um i'm a big tennis fan so i got to meet some you know some tennis folks and hang out with them and um uh and uh just kind of create relationships where um you know, we've stayed in touch after nice. after the games as well. That's pretty cool. Um, so now moving on to okay, you look at me strange. Uh, your you're cycling talking. career. I you because you're talking. <laughs> oh, your cycling career. Um, how did that work? Did you have like sponsorships? So like, would you switch off bikes often, or like how how do sponsorships and stuff work? Yeah, sponsorship is a big part of what we do. The, bi- the bikes and equipment are very expensive. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for a bike to be. Um, you know, ten thousand or more dollars, and uh, wheels are several thousand dollars. Tires are hundreds of dollars. Um, so sponsors play a big role in what we do, and us mm-hmm. being able to compete at that level. And um, cycling is a small sport, so I'm a big believer in being um, 
in, in brand loyalty and the people that looked out for you. I think you, you know, I think it's important to look out for them and, um, and, and be consistent in that regard. So, um, I, I, I had a number of brands that I, that I stuck with for a long time. Um, and that stuck with me and, um, in some cases it's product in other cases it's money. Um, it, it, it varies. Um, sometimes you have people that are, um, just want to see you, um, do the best that you can and, and they'll support you, um, you know, privately as something that they, um, they feel is a, is a, you know, something that they want to do. So family, friends, um, corporations, um, um, product, um, comes from a variety of different areas. What kind of big companies would there be for sport wise? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, cycling, it's going to be bike companies. Um, it's going to be sunglasses. Um, it's going to be, um, you know, some, sometimes shoes, helmets, that sort of thing. Um, uh, outside of that, it might be something, um, like, uh, I had a, a company that did, um, performance mouth guards that mm. sponsored me for a while. I had, um, you know, um, a, uh, um, a, uh, I had back surgery, um, at, throughout at one point in my career and, and the, um, the, the, um, um, institute, the spine institute that did my, did my surgery, um, supported me for a little yeah. while, um, as, as well. So, um, it comes from an, just a, you know, a variety of, of, of areas. And part of what we do is trying to market ourselves and, yeah. um, so that we can travel and compete and do what we need to do. And, um, it, it's expensive and it's, um, it's time consuming. And sometimes we have jobs, uh, in addition to what we do. Sometimes we don't it just depends on where we're at in our career. Yeah. Um, how, is it kind of a weird sense to think of yourself as a brand back then? Because like you had to sell yourself to these companies in a way, right? Yeah. Uh, to a degree. I mean, I, I think, you know, what you do, how you carry yourself, how you comport yourself, um, you're, it's not just about your performance. Performance is, is important aspect yeah. of it, but sometimes it's just about you as an individual and, and being somebody that, um, people can look to and say, um, you know, you're, 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 a um, somebody that I feel comfortable, um, getting behind or, or telling other people like, Hey, look out for this, this person, he's doing it the right way. Um, I think that's, that's part of what we do in, in being in, on that stage is, you know, carrying ourselves with a, a, um, a, a professionalism and, um, a, a work ethic, um, and, and going about things the right way that is consistent with, um, you know, a, a value system that, mm. um, is maybe, maybe, but maybe, maybe different than what you might frequently see. That closes my questions for me. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you're going to ask your fun question. Well, I mean, I, if they come up, I will think of one, but okay. I want to know more about the lifestyle, <laughs> the life of the athlete, not necessarily the yeah. performance. Good job. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> So, transition to you, like us, you attend the FCA stuff. You've been doing that longer than we have. How did you get connected into that? I went to uh, Deanna, uh, a friend named uh, Deanna Sheik. She had a daughter that 
um, was participating in um, FCA, and um, she uh, she asked me to come uh, one time. They had a, a meeting at their um, at their church, I think it was, and I um, uh, she asked if I would come and just do a little Q and A with with them. And I said, Yeah, that sounds great. She explained what it was and why why we were doing it, and um, I uh, I said, Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Um, you know, as as athletes, I think that um, you know sometimes it's nice to talk about ourselves a little bit. So <laughs> um, it's it's uh, it was a great chance to we, share my. We do think highly of ourselves. Yeah, we do. We do. Whether we're amateurs, like <laughs> real people <laughs> yeah. like you. Yeah. So um, it was it was fun just to be able to share my experiences and and so forth in that setting. And then she said, "Well, by the way, you know, we have." Um, uh, these, this, this program, it's growing over at the high school. Um, you know, why don't you come out, you know, if you want, you can speak a couple of times or whatever, just, just, you know, just be present, just show up. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. Um, and that was a number of years ago now. And since then I've been, um, just coming and volunteering my time and, um, uh, wanting to be, um, you know, kind of present in, in that setting. Um, so that was my first introduction to FCA. So I guess we have to rewind a little bit. How did you end up being stationed is not the right word, but so is it coming? How did you get yeah. here? Like, cause you were training out here for, I was, yeah. you? so is that, did that just become, because you're training out here, permanent residence, it was just easier to stick around? So yeah, you know, we, our, our program was based out here for a number of years. So, um, I, after I left Colorado, I moved back to Pennsylvania and then before my, before my second Olympics, I moved back, I, I moved out here to California. Um, but I spent a great deal of time just traveling back and forth. So California was the last landing place for, um, me as a, as a competing athlete. Um, and, uh, I, I've, I've stuck around here for, for better or worse. <laughs> So from a faith aspect, was yeah. that something you grew up in? Was it a Christian household or did yeah. you discover Jesus later on? What did, what did that look like? My parents were, became believers, uh, shortly after I was born and, and I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up in, um, in a Christian, uh, Christian school. I was in church from, you know, from the very beginning. Um, so that was an aspect of my life that was, um, at a, a, a core, um, piece of who I was then and who I am now. So when I, I always like to ask this question because I, I didn't come to Jesus until I was 20. So I have a distinct like yeah. then and now, um, when like growing up in that setting and being surrounded by it and just knowing who Jesus was from a young age, when did your personal faith become your own? When like, was there a moment or a time or a period of life maybe where it went from instead of just you know who he is because you're surrounded by him all the time, when it actually became real to you and you really were like, oh, I actually have a relationship with Jesus. This is why he's important in my life. Yeah, I I, I don't have a, um, a point in time where there was just a shift or, or anything where I was like, okay, this is very real. I, I think that... Um, my my parents did a wonderful job, and, and the community that I had growing up was so centered around um, faith and the relationship with Christ that um, that I, I I never had that. I mean, I, I had obviously you know you go through life, and there's there's times where you're you know more um, 
you know, I guess more, more, um, driven to, um, pursue that and other times where it's, you know, not as much, but, um, that was always, it was always present. It was always an aspect of, of who I was. And it was always a, a filter through which I, um, viewed my sport and my life and, um, my relationships. And, um, my dad, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was a pastor, uh, as well growing up and we traveled a lot to, um, different churches, uh, as well. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, even when I moved out to Colorado, one of the first things I did was, was to seek out another, another church and another, you know, um, um, uh, just a community to, to kind of stay plugged into and, and that sort of thing. And, um, I, um, my, my faith was always something that was, um, very, um, very present and very, um, uh, important, uh, in, in how I, you know, how I live, how I lived and how I pursued life and, um, why I did what I did and, and the, the, um, uh, deliberate nature of, you know, of, of, um, uh, being maximizing the opportunities that, w- that I was given. So having growing up as a pastor's kid, yeah. there are there's a lot of ways that can go. Yeah. <laughs> what was your experience like? Was it an easy, normal thing? Because that's what it was. Was it difficult? Like what did what did it look like in your experience as the son of a pastor? <laughs> I, I, again, um, so, I mean, I guess another aspect of me is, um, you know, my, my growing up is that I'm an only child. And, um, so I, um, you know, I, it wasn't, I don't have any horror stories of being a, you know, a, a, a PK or yeah. um, anything like that. I, I, um, uh, it was just, it was just normal for me. It was just normal. And, and, um, uh, you know, my, my parents had, had high expectations of, of me and we had certain ground rules that were in place and, um, and, um, you know, I, I, I don't have any, um, um, I, I, I was, I was, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm very, very, um, grateful for, um, my, my upbringing and, and what that looks like and, um, how that's shaped me, um, and, and who I am and, and values and so forth. So as you were, as you were starting to compete and, and move towards that direction, what, what was your, what was the support system from a faith standpoint? Like, were you part of a youth group that, invested in you was the support mostly just coming from your parents were you in because you said you moved churches a couple times was Mm -hmm. there like a church community that invested in you and like not you know not necessarily monetarily but just Mm -hmm. from like where were you what was your faith community like in supporting who you were as an individual growing up mine came from uh my family um most most uh uh uh, at the, like that, that was definitely the, you know, leading, leading the charge there. Um, definitely for my family, my mom and my dad. And, 
Um, and then also, um, I think, uh, seeking out other athletes that um, shared similar values. Um, and I think us as, um, you know, together being ones that could um, support one another in what we did and how we how we did it um, and keep each other, keep each other accountable. Um, those are the, the big drivers there and the big um, things. I mean, you spent, we spent a lot of time on the road. We spent a lot of time, um, you know, away from family. Um, so those were the, um, those two, those two pieces were what, um, I think, um, were, uh, very, uh, very, very present and something I sought out, um, to stay, stay plugged into. So as you, as you went into this life full time, how easy was it to find other athletes who shared your faith? Was that like, would you just have to be like, hey, we're all the Christians at like, how, how would that yeah. come about? Cause in, in the professional and athletic world, that's not necessarily a common thing. And so it's, you know, it can be difficult to find that support group. So how, how were you able to find other athletes that you could connect to in that way? I think that, um, I, I really think there are more out there than, than, than we, kind of know and what even if it's you know it's other you know other countries and other um uh you know coaches or um, support staff and, and things like that so i think it's really just asking um you know getting to know um people and developing relationships and, and kind of seeing where they're at with with things and, and just seeing something that uh is different that that leads you to um it's just seeing something that's different in them that leads you to just, um, you know, dig a little deeper. Not everybody is, is you know, uh, outspoken as outspoken about their um, their their walk, their faith walk than, than than others. But I've I've seen some, you know, I've been fortunate to get plugged in some really cool um, things over the years, and and it's actually towards the later part of my career where I, I got to experience more of this than at the beginning, but, um, there's, there's many groups and many athletes out there that, um, that, that do share, um, a, a, a faith in Christ that, um, um, you know, where, where they're, they're willing and ready and, and, and it is part of what we, you know, who we are and how we compete and, and, and things. So, um, you know, whether it be FCA, whether it be um, um, there's a retreat that I've done for the last few years that um, I've gone to that isn't isn't publicized, but it's something that um, we've got you know well uh, well respected and well known athletes participating in that um, where we can come together and and support one another in in that end and just and kind of set the stage to go back out and into our communities and, um, you know, be bold about our faith. Um, there's, so there's lots of things that are, that are, that are there and available. Um, I just think it takes, a um, you know, a, a, an intentionality and, a, and a, a little bit of just, you know, setting yourself apart from, from the, the mainstream where, um, you know, people see something that's a little bit different and start asking questions. Did, did your faith ever feel threatened 
at all, either by circumstances or by individuals? Did it? Were you ever in a situation where, like, I ah, being a Christian right now isn't a super great idea? Like, somebody would either maybe attacks a little strong, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know if the question yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to make some some hard um, choices on on my end at certain times, and um, I. You know, my my mentality was that um, it was always that if if God wanted me in a particular place at a particular time, that there was nothing anybody could say or do that would that would change that. And so I was always very, um, um, you know, so there there were things that sometimes things that I um, uh, I had I had reasons for 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 not. Um, um, you know, participating in or, or doing things that um, that I I I had reasons for that it wasn't for anybody else to necessarily understand. Like mm-hmm. This was something that was important to me, so I I chose to you know to go a different direction. And um, you know, while I I didn't always um, you know make the the, the best choices that. Um, there were there were other times that um, I, I had I was very comfortable um, taking a, a stand for certain things and and not being um, not having a concern for what that looked like to other mm-hmm. people um, and uh, I, I I've I was not you know apologetic for that yeah that's really tough. That's really yeah. tough to do, and that. And yeah, that's it. yeah, it is. But you know, I, I think it's like, just it's not. Like I, I don't, I can't point to any instance where I was like, you're gonna lose your national team status if you, yeah. you know, if you don't do this, or, um, you know, it's it's different. There's different ways to to approach it, whether it be, um, you know, competing with integrity and not. You know, not not cheating, whether it be competing and um, not uh, behaving a certain way when something happened, or or how you how you interact with your teammates, or you know what you do uh, extracurricularly, and and yeah. you know there's so many different ways that um, you can be bold about about what you believe. And um, I had a um, you know I had a teammate at one point for a long time as well that um, that. He he his his walk and how he, um, com, you know, uh, carried himself was a was a um, something that I looked to and said, man, like he's like that's that's something to really strive for. So, um, you know, there's there's aspects in that regard that um, help you as an athlete. Um, Continue to stay strong and stay firm in in uh, in that walk, in that faith walk. I think. So, from a more personal standpoint, what is it? What is it about God and how He has interacted in your life that allows you to know for sure that He's alive and real? Like, mm-hmm. what is it about your specific experience and how you have grown in a relationship with Him? How do you know? This is for sure truth. I can say with full, you know, guaranteed 
God is who we believe him to be. I think it's it's hindsight. I think it's looking back and seeing how how getting to this point um, here today, uh, how everything has has taken place. Um, it's it's a God thing, and um, there's no other way to describe it in terms of the relationships that I've had, in terms of the opportunities that I've had, in terms of how um, things have taken shape, um, in, in terms of my my safety. Uh, as you know competing as an athlete um i I think there's there's everything uh it's everything to do with um with god and how he's um he he's um you know uh directed those paths to lead to a certain you know a certain outcome um it's not to say that i wouldn't have liked to have seen certain things go differently or miss, you know, certain, certain trials and difficult times, but, um, how it's all come together, I think is just being able to look back and see where God, where I can see that God has been, um, faithful and, um, um, really provided opportunities that just aligned so, so perfectly. Um, and, um, it just gives me reassurance that, even you know now for today for tomorrow you know lord willing that he's going to continue to direct those paths and orchestrate things in a way that um is going to be um exactly uh as it as it should um in spite of um you know in spite of me so um i can look at instances from again from from a safety standpoint from having uh, been protected from, um, you know, just cycling in itself is a dangerous sport. And mm-hmm. um, so being protected in that way from being, um, having had people um, that I've met over the years that have supported me um, to, you know, not only from a monetary standpoint, but from a standpoint of just being, um, being, building relationships to um, having, um uh, opportunities to work and have a job and do um, and transition from you know from sport to what I do now the, the things that um, where you know God just has has opened up doors and closed other doors and um, that it's not just random it's not just by chance it's not um, you know my my own doing. Um, it's where God has, has made them, um, you know, exactly what he, what he intended them to be. Um, so yeah, being able to look back and from my experiences and just, and see where he's done things, um, that, that is, um, a, uh, a, in my mind, something that just has, has no, there's no doubt, no question, um, that he's he's active and um, and engaged in in our lives in every aspect. Love that. Well, I have my one last question, but did you have any before we do that? Get out of here. Um, for a personal level, what is the biggest difference between living a lot of your life in Pennsylvania versus now living a lot of your life in California? 
there's there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of things. Um, I I'll tell you my first time out here in California. My first experience in California was San Diego, and um, I told my parents I was like, man, I love it out here. I, I would I would love nothing nothing more than to you know to spend more time out here and to live out here and um, you know when when do you know what God said I hear that. <laughs> I'm gonna put you out here, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna live out here for a little while. And now I'm like, uh, well, you know, it's expensive, it's um, it's congested. The polit the politics are are make you pull your hair out, and <laughs> yep. um, you know. So now it's 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 a little bit different. But I've grown, you know. It's it's uh, as well as me, you know, just being being a little bit older now and having a different different view on um, what's important in life and, and those sort of things. So I love Pennsylvania. I love the East Coast. I love the back roads. I love the country. I love, um, you know, the seasons um, and um, just the the small town feel. Um, so I'd say those are aspects that yeah. um, I don't I don't get to experience out here. Um, I mean, the weather's great here. I mean, absolutely. Um, the, the, the riding is the bike riding is 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 very good um so there's there's many things that are um that are, are, are if you look for them i think that are are desirable but yeah um it's a you know east coast west coast there's so much it's it's so different you can't what what's the longest ride you've ever accomplished I'm not sure about in distance. I'd probably say it's close to 100 miles, which is not. I mean, it, believe me, it's not that much um, compared to what some professionals do. I mean, for the average person, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I for my for for what I did, I, it wasn't necessary for me to go, you know, crazy long like that. So yeah. time in the time in the saddle, time on a bike was, um, you know, I don't know, maybe five hours, something like that, which is quite. Even for me, I'm like that's a that's a long time. So yeah, um, what what's the fastest you think or like know that you've traveled pretty much? Like how fast do you think? On the velodrome, probably fifty three, fifty four miles per hour, something like that. Um, and wow, yeah, so pretty pretty fast. Again, you can go faster on on roads on the downhill, but. Um, in some cases, but for us on a, on a closed venue, uh, under, you know, our, our own power, um, on equipment that is, you know, is, is by all and looking at it by all intents and purposes, like, Oh, how does this actually perform in this way and not just com- completely apart? Um, it's, uh, it's pretty, you know, pretty impressive. And then, you know, match that up with how close the races are yeah. and, you know, the, the chance of something happening and that sort of thing. So it's, uh, we're, we're traveling at pretty high rates of speed, um, in, in your, your, That's uh, cool. standard, like onesie type of material. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's just insane to think. So you have to like be able to like squat like 500 pounds or something, don't you? It helps. It helps. Not everybody <laughs> does that, but um, you know we've got such a variety of body types in our sport where you've got short people, tall people, um, guys that um, don't look like athletes, and guys that look like athletes that are yeah very uh, huh. very capable. 
That's crazy. You good? Yeah. I'm good. I'll All see right. if I have one more. And it was like half a question, but it wasn't good. So, yeah, we're good. <laughs> all right, last question, and then we get out of here, and, and I don't want to hold you all day. you got stuff to do. Um, what are one or two verses or Bible stories that have either, like, played a role in shaping your faith over the years or that you can easily refer back to or turn to for, like, quick encouragement? Like, what are a couple that that have stood out to you in, in your life? I think more so, um, even even more so now, is just, um, you know, being bold about our faith and um, being, um, you know, references to not being um, ashamed of the gospel and ashamed of, um, you know, sharing why we have um, the hope that we have in Christ. Um, so, you know, I think... That resonates now more than ever with me um, in understanding that um, it, like what we experience here on Earth, has has um, is there's no match for um, you know what we um, the hope that we have in, in in understanding that if we choose to follow Jesus and have a relationship with Him, that um, we know where we're going to spend eternity. So um, there's, I'm reminded constantly, and I I, I, um, I I feel it's so important just to um, be um, be bold in sharing that, and and also um, in uh, knowing that what we have, what we and, and knowing that what happens later today or, you know, tomorrow, we have no control over that. And um, are we, you know, are we, are we, do we know that we have assurance of where we'll be, you know, if we die today? Um, and, and so that's something, um, you know, that, that is, um, I'm constantly, um, I think, is at the forefront of my mind um, in in how we live our lives and how we how we talk to um, the people about and how we share our faith and um, and I think as well it, you know while there's a it's important to be sensitive to um, um, how how that comes across and how we share and, and so forth there is a a certain component to it that um, you know. Not everybody's going to like what you say about this, and I think that the gospel is clear that you know it's not you know people are going to be uh, aren't going to always like it, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's like you know if if I don't like being told to eat my vegetables, <laughs> yeah, you do it. yeah. I mean, it's like sometimes um, um, being you know being willing to to put yourself out there and be bold. I think we have an opportunity here in, in, um, where we live and the, um, to, to be unapologetic about our position on issues and our position on, um, why, uh, we view life as we do. And, um, you know, so just, just the boldness, um, that we're instructed to have, 
um, uh, and and um, and and sharing uh, you know the hope that we have in in Christ. I think those are the um, so important. Um, yeah, so important. Awesome. Cool. Well. Thank you so much for joining us, sharing, yeah. letting us ask a bunch of dumb questions <laughs> that you've probably had to answer a million times in your life already, but we learned a lot. I uh, appreciate, appreciate it, guys. Get yeah. us out of here. Uh, thank you for tuning in tonight, today. Uh, I mean, tonight, <laughs> possibly, if you're listening at night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, coming in and having a good time. Uh, as always, you can follow us on all social medias at F-R-O-M-B-O-B-S. O-F-F-I-C-E. That is from Bob's office. Um, Yeah, thank you. My name is Jake Mathis. I'm Jacob Bomber. Gideon Massey. Have a great day.